believe, receive, and act on your word. That's such a good thing to have truth in us and to walk in truth so that we're totally blessed. We know what that is. want to do more of it, Father. So as we listen and hear your word, impart to us what we need to know. Just stir us up again, Lord, to good works and to, to behave and to, to be good witnesses down here on earth. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. <clears throat> so today, last, last week in Detroit, I talked about what it means to be truly blessed. And I thought I would continue some of that and, and uh, we'll talk and call it to be blessed and curse proof. Amen. You are blessed and curse proof. You're curse proof. Curse proof. God calls us out to bless us. He, you, you have to understand this. I don't care what you think, how hard you think your Christian life is. You know, this is a big thing with people. You know, we go on and on and on sometimes about the cost of serving God. And you know, I was looking at some of our our prayer posters yesterday when we were praying, and I thought to myself, especially when you see that one with that poor woman that's being beaten because of her faith. And I'm thinking, man, we get off pretty good here. You know, I mean, we don't pay nearly the cost. There's a pastor now in Iran who is under a death sentence because uh, over there you can't be a Christian or they kill you. If you convert from being a Muslim to a Christian, it's subject to death. So there are many places in the world where there isn't the freedom to worship. You know, the freedom to make the choice to serve God or not to serve God just really isn't there sometimes. And so many times we, we look at... Well, as a Christian, you can't do this, you can't do that, and I got to pray about everything, and I get and and sometimes we just get this sour attitude about what our end of obedience is versus the blessing that comes, and, and you get stuck in the middle there somewhere, and and in some ways not put forth much effort in God because you're not certain that the effort's going to pay off. Y'all know what I mean? You just, it, I mean, the walk of faith should be a walk of, of obedience and joy and just the joy of serving if, in, and the joy of having relationship with God. If that's not there, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tough walk, you know, if, if there isn't joy every day in serving God. It's like it would be if you were married to somebody that was, was kind of unkind to you or, or not, uh, didn't bring much joy to the marriage, you know, they're a little hard to please. It's it's a rough road if you, that's what you got facing you all the time. And so, as Christians, we can can know that we're we're um, at a great advantage because God called us out of whatever it is that you think you have to leave behind in order to serve God. You're called out of that to be blessed. The blessing always <clears throat> brings an increase and a promotion in your life. I don't care what you think you are giving up or what you left behind or what you, you know, feel that, that this walk is costing you. You are brought out. You're called out of your old life to be blessed. God will never pay you less than the devil did. Amen. He will never love you less than the devil loved you. 
He will never treat you worse than the devil treated you. You are called out to be blessed. The word blessed actually means to be happy. It means to be joyful. It means to be productive, successful. It means to have peace in all areas of your life. So when God calls you out, he calls you out to bless you, not to do you bad, to do you good. He said, I know the thoughts I have towards you, thoughts to do you good, to give you hope and an expected end so you can expect good things all the days of your life in serving God. So I think if we get our head on right, we'll realize that we still get the better end of the deal. But if you understand what it means to be truly blessed, I think we will live a life aggressively pursuing uh, favor with God and, and pursuing pleasing God so that the blessing of God does fall upon our life. It comes upon our life in a, in a great way, in a dramatic way. When you're blessed, you are curse-proof. You are curse-proof. Galatians 3, I'm going to start there, see if I start in the new and work my way back to the old, if we can get a good foundation here. Galatians chapter 3. Paul sets forth this argument that's a continual argument with with Christians. It's still a continual argument with Christians. Are you walking according to the law or are you walking according to faith? Walking according to the law puts a lot of pressure on you because your flesh is weak and you're trying to obey God through the works of the flesh. Leads to frustration. And it's amazing how we, we can start out in faith, you know, with the confession of faith toward Christ. You know, if you're like I was, I tried many times to be good. I would go to church and go be consistent for a while and then quit going because of lack of interest because I wasn't saved. I wasn't born again. And so that works. And I was really glad to find out all I had to do was believe Jesus took all of that for me and lived for him, and that made it so much easier. But it's amazing how through our walk with God, we can fall back into the works of the flesh again. Anytime you get into uh, a negative mindset or, or condemnation or judgmentalism, anything like that, you'll find yourself trying to earn your way in God hmm? instead of obeying him by faith. Whatever he tells you to do, do that. Instead of trying to figure out what you need to do to please him. Got me? There's a big difference. One of them puts you under the works of the law, which we know can never be fulfilled. So Christians, I think for most of the part in our walk, is getting out of the legalism and the religion, stepping out of that and stepping back over in the faith. That's, That's a constant struggle for believers. To know when you're really obeying God by faith and when you're just going through the motions of trying to figure out what you need to do to please him. It's a big difference. 
God writes his law in our hearts. What's in your heart is what you are motivated by and led by. And so you live a life of faith. Whatever you desire, you pray and ask him to bring it into your life. That's the life of faith. Whatever it is that you are seeking, you want direction. You pray and ask him for direction. That's the life of faith. The life of religion and legalism is sitting and and thinking about all the things you don't have and trying to figure out why you don't have them. That's legalism. That's the first step in, in the works of the law, which will fail you. Because there's nothing, Jesus said, only believe. Believe only and not doubt. So when things aren't going well, you need to go and pray and and worship God, read your Bible, get your heart full of faith again, and then see what God speaks to you. And so we'll live like this. We will live the way God intended for us to live. And so this argument keeps coming up with Paul, and he keeps telling them, he says in verse 3, in Galatians 3, verse 3, He says, are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? If you started out born again, and you were so glad the Holy Ghost came into your life, and you looked at your hands, and your hands were new, you looked at your feet, and they were too. You changed my heart, changed so, yeah. Okay. So, when that drug wears off, huh? (laughs) <laughs> then you back where you were you know, Monday morning hangover. What do I do now? Huh? But you remember when the, the Spirit of God first came into your life and how wonderful that felt. And you just wanted to keep that going. And you can keep that going. Sometimes not at as, as such a high level, but you can walk in the Spirit. And so he says, if, if, how could you think that you're made perfect by the flesh now if you started in the Spirit? He says, have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? In other words, you've gone through a lot to maintain your walk with God. Don't let that be in vain. You know, let that count for something. And he says, he therefore that ministers to you the spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? See, there's that thing in all of us that wants to... Show God we're good enough. Wants to, we want to be good enough. That thing nags us. It'll nag your conscience. You'll sit there and, and your mind will start to wander. And, and if the bills are late or if you're struggling a little bit. <clears throat> and you'll start to wonder. I wonder where, where I messed up. What did I? What did, uh, 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 hmm? That's the first step in legalism. Hmm? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you, and if that were important, he'd tell you. He'd tell you before you ask. See, he'd convict you, and but he would put your feet on the right path and say, don't go that way, go this way. This is the way to blessing. See, that's the walk of faith, is understanding that wherever you are, God will always pick you up from where you were the last time you walked by faith. And he'll put you right back on that same path again so that you can continue on with him in faith. This is, this is the challenge for the believer. To stay in faith and not get over into works of the law thinking he can work this out by his own efforts. He says, he therefore that ministers to you the spirit. We said that. He says, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So he said, faith has been around a long time. It didn't just start here with us. 
God's always had people who believed him and he counted them as righteous people. Why? Because if you have faith in God, you are putting, taking your faith away and putting it over into him who is righteous. So that's what makes you take on his righteousness. You put your faith over into his faith. It's like <clears throat> buying, uh, say for instance, if you're a depositor in a bank. Your bank can pay dividends. Well, they don't anymore. You know what I'm saying. They all cheap. I don't know what they're doing with the money. They used to pay you interest when you had a savings account. You get three cents. Well, I said, this is messing up my budget. I don't even put this on here. Don't give me nothing. It's all you can do. But But you, you know that these people know how to make money. So you say, hmm, I don't. Let me put my stuff over in here and y'all make the money for me. So you take on their wealth according to the proportion of what you put in there. But you take on their wealth. You ain't making this money yourself to get the interest. You partake of their wealth. Same thing with faith. When we put our faith in God, we partake of his righteousness and his faith because we have put it over in him. So you're invested in him. Your faith is of him and as a christian you want to hold on to that you don't want to let go of it see in difficult times it's times where we don't like you know we want everything to happen real fast and if it happens slow your mind will wander and you not unknowingly and not desiring to do it you start to withdraw your faith from god and you put it over in what you see and then you have to slap yourself and get yourself back over here. It's a, it's a struggle, folks. It's a struggle. You can master it. There are ways that you, it's individual. You know, you, you talk to yourself. You get yourself said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not going to, no, there's nothing. I'm not, because if, if I were doing something, God would have told me by now. If I needed to correct something, he would have told me by now. You got me? Sometimes we know what it is. We're just slow about doing it. But we have a sense that if we go this direction, we'll get back in faith. And then when you're in faith, it doesn't bother you how long it takes. Isn't that right? You just, what? Time? What? I don't care about that. Hey, when it comes, it comes. I'm cool. And then there are times when you up the wall. And that's because you've stepped out of faith. You've withdrawn your faith from the promise of God. And you've gotten your, your mind scattered. But you pull yourself back. You keep Walking by faith. And that's what it's about. It's, it's about getting back over there. So he says, God, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. He says, know you therefore that they which are of faith are the same, are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. I mean, he gets everybody into this faith thing. Preached before the gospel to Abraham saying, in you shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. So the blessing really is a package that God puts everybody into. So if you are of faith, you are blessed with faithful Abraham. That's why he's in the Bible. So you can see what God did for him and you can know what God will do for you without fail. Without fail. And so he says... He says then, so in verse 10, for as many are 
as are of the works of the law are under the curse. That's where curse comes in. If you insist upon working your way through your salvation. I'm good enough. I give a big enough offering. You know, sometimes uh, the, uh, there was a saying, Pentecostal people, you say doubters give the most eventually anyway. Why? Because they're into works. They're trying to prove by the size of their offering that they can impress God and get something back from him uh, instead of using their faith. So he says, <clears throat> everyone who doesn't continue because he says, cursed is every man that does not continue to do everything that is written in the book of the law. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident because the just shall live by faith. So God doesn't expect you to do everything perfectly according to the Ten Commandments. But he expects you to what you do, you do it believing in what Jesus Christ has done to enable you to do it. Has Jesus died for your sins? Yes, he has. has he, was he raised for your justification? Yes, he was. And so when you have faith and confidence in what it, God has done for you and you live that life, then you please God. He said the law is not of faith, but the man that does them shall live in them. And he says this, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, when Abraham received the promise from God, God made the promise to one seed of Abraham. That promise was made to one to Jesus Christ. That's why the covenant comes through Christ and not through the natural sons of Abraham. Yeah, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, that one seed that they're talking about is the final heir, Jesus Christ. So that the blessing only is on the Christian is evident here. Because it skips over the natural inheritance. If it kept through the natural inheritance, you could work your way through being good enough. You got me? It would depend on who your father was. That's where the Pharisees got messed up. You know, we have Abraham to our father. They kept telling Jesus. They didn't need his preaching and they didn't need his teaching. That's fine, but what are you going to do about the curse when it comes on you for disobedience? Well, Jesus did away with that. Because there is no curse on the new covenant. It's a curse-proof blessing. Whenever God blesses anybody, it sticks on them forever and they are curse-proof. You got me? You cannot be cursed. That's why when people talk about generational curses and all this kind of stuff, and I say, well, are you redeemed from the curse of the law? Are you redeemed or not? God spoke both the blessing and the curse. He knows what he's doing. And if he says that this doesn't apply to you anymore, then it doesn't apply to you anymore. And there's no curse on your life. What are you afraid of? But see, many times we, are, we, we want to step out in faith and we're afraid of messing up. Hmm? Because we still, some place in here we believe in the curse still. Because what are you afraid of? huh? If you mess up, God's not going to holler at you. All he's going to do is convict you 
and pull you back over where you're supposed to be and you keep walking. But somehow that doesn't come to us when we're trying to get up and do something for God. We're always scared. Suppose I blow this. Suppose I mess up. People who are full of faith are pretty much fearless people. They're very courageous people. You'll see them get up and do the same thing over again, even though it didn't work for them the last time. They'll get up and do it again, maybe make a few modifications, but they keep going. That's a faith-filled person. Uh, The unjustified person kind of sits back and waits, very reluctant to do anything because they're afraid of penalty mm, if they don't do it right. Still the law working in your mind, still working in there. And so we have to be careful that we understand the blessing to the degree that we understand it. You've got to understand what God had in mind when he blessed people. What did he have in mind when he blessed us? He had in mind that he would be our God and we would be his people. We would be taken care of all the days of our life. That's what he had in mind. What do we have in mind when we think of the blessing? Do we have the same thing in mind that God had in mind when we talked about it? See, God means for his, what he does for us to last forever and be continual. What am I doing here? I shouldn't be doing. Am I? Okay. He meant for what he, he's doing for us to be continual. Why do we doubt that if he paid a bill for us one time, he'll do it again? See, it's thinking about some penalty and some curse that keeps us messed up in our thinking. You you got me? The reason I'm taking time with this is because I think it's the way a lot of people think. It's the way I think and the way you think. If we don't catch ourselves and make ourselves accept the truth. See? We've got to make ourselves accept this. Because if we don't, we'll short ourselves out on a lot of the things that God wants to give us. And we'll spend our time, you know, with super nanny in a time out thing. You got me? We'll be continually taking time out because we don't feel right about asking God to do it again. You know, I'm going to tell you something. If you're in debt... A a carnal person will tell you it takes time to get out of debt. So if God did a miracle for you to pay your house note this month, he'll probably have to do another one next month, the month after, the month after, the month. But why can't we expect him to do them over and over? When we get to need the miracle again, we all condemned and, oh, I don't know. And we're all nervous. Huh? Knowing, do you have another God you can go to and ask to do something? You don't have nobody. You, you, can, you can only go to him and ask him for the things that you desire and need. So we have to get out of this mindset of I got to do things per, you know, right. or if There's something vague there, but it's something that hinders us at the same time too. You can't quite put your finger on what it is that makes you think this way. But there's something that stops you from the the continual pursuit of the blessing, continual pursuit of God. So the continual obedience, continual, continual is something that stops us. Whenever you hesitate, that's a sign of fear. 
The Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. You pounce on opportunities. Amen. To be blessed. Huh? Just like, well, I ain't going to even go there. That's a, I, can't do, I can't do that today. I'm going to keep on this road. But y'all know what you do when you pounce. When you want something, you don't care who knows you want it. And you don't care how bad you know you want it. You just see an opportunity and you reach up and grab it. That's the way the righteous are supposed to be about the blessings of God and their life in God. The blessings of God come to help us and make our lives rich. You might have some poverty areas in your life that still have to be dealt with, but don't feel condemned about them. Let God work on them. Let him help you. Let him get you over into a place where this flows continually. We set some some crazy standards for ourselves sometimes, you know. I, how, what, what do you care how the blessing comes or who pays the tab for it? God's paying the tab for it. But, you know, sometimes, well, I want to get to the point where I can write the check. I don't know why. I want to get to the point that if I could write a check, I don't. What's wrong with I mean, get somebody else to pay it. I would. Huh? <laughs> you know, we set, we set goofy standards. That's, that's no standard for anything. You got me? It, it, I mean, it's nice to have it, but God's taking care of you one way or the other. You know, it's the hand of God that brings a blessing into your life. It's not, you know, the people say stuff, well, I get tired of hand-me-downs a second. And listen, I go on eBay and find me good stuff all the time. I don't consider it a hand-me-down. I consider it a blessing. I don't have to pay top dollar for it. I'm right up there in the line with it. You got me? It looks just as good. It's going to be used the minute I take the tags off of it anyway. So I don't care if it's used when it comes to me. I'm going to get it anyhow. You know, we set goofy standards and it puts more pressure on us as believers to come up to some personal standard. Now we have on top of God's standard. His standard is trust him and live by faith. Sometimes he'll bring it to you in a way that'll blow your mind. You just have to laugh and say, well, God, as I said, I didn't want this this way again. And it is. Huh? Or he'll put it in the hand of somebody you don't even know. You don't know and it, there it is. It's something that really blesses you. Huh? And so we have to understand that, that we can't call the shots in this life. You, you've got to, to understand how to stay in the realm of blessing. Stay out of the nonsense, the place where you get robbed of everything, a place where you think that you've done something so bad that God doesn't want to bless you or he, you, don't, you can't get as much as you prayed for. And somehow it's diminished because of you. You're not that important. to You're not going to hinder anything. Listen, God knew you was going to goof up your paycheck for the 15th time when he got you that job. You begged him for it. Oh God, you get, I'm gonna tithe, I'm gonna get tithes and offerings beside. And all he can think was, there they go again, they think that promising is impressing me. I already put you in line for the promotion anyway. You know, without all that rigmarole, you going yang, 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 yang. Huh? 
It's like uh, Pam's little grandbaby. You know, he started talking now. You know, he's, your little babies are funny. They hear you talking. They get in there and think they're talking just like you are. And they, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> That's the way God looks at us. We go to promise in him. Oh, God, you know, you do this for me. It's like a little baby. Don't nobody pay attention to that. Huh? He ain't paying no attention to that. Huh? His blessings are without sorrow. Why is he going to heap all this responsibility on you? But see, the devil hears that and he'll condemn you if you don't do it. Huh? See, once you repent, and you know, I know people say, God, get me a, a vehicle and I'll, I'll donate it to the ministry. I'll take, bring the saints back and forth to church and they barely get there themselves. They left the kids. I couldn't wait for them. They get on my nerves. Huh? Well, you blew it. So repent and tell God you're sorry. God, I shouldn't have shot my mouth off. I see I was biting off more than I could chew, you know. But just help me to straighten it out. I want In my heart, I want to do right with my vehicle. I want to dedicate it to you and let it serve you. But uh, all that I promised you, I don't think I can do that. Please forgive me. And God cleanses you from all unrighteousness. He forgives you. And he, you, you get the slate wiped clean and he lets you go on and do what you can do reasonably with your busy schedule and your kids driving you crazy and you know all the people that won't come and you know they they think I'm crazy they don't never come to church when I ask them you know he takes into consideration all of that huh and he still will take care of that car he still will pay the note he still wants you to be happy and joyful in it he doesn't want you to feel condemned Because you shot your mouth off with something you didn't intend to promise, thinking that impressed him to give you something. You're blessed already. You can't impress him enough to give you it. He's already given it to you. He's already given it to you. He's already conferred the blessing on his people. The blessing of Abraham comes to us through faith in Jesus Christ. So we are already blessed. Well, how come I struggle? And how come, well, we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We've been talking about it a little, but we're going to talk about it some more. When we say we are blessed, we are curse-proof. We're curse-proof. Look at Jacob and Esau. <clears throat> or Jacob and Isaac, his father. Jacob stole the birthright from his brother Esau, who was the firstborn. Esau should have had... The birthright and the blessing, he wound up with neither because he didn't consider them valuable. That's why God said, Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated because Esau didn't think like God thought. Esau was his enemy because they didn't meet in the same flow as far as what they, they thought and how they valued the blessing. But when it came time for Jacob to pass away, He had to pass on that inheritance from his father Abraham. All of that had to fall on one of those sons. Now we talk about the blessing of the firstborn, but really the firstborn had rights of distribution over all the family wealth. It wasn't just a bigger portion, but it was rights of distribution and management over the family wealth. And so this is what they were fighting for. Well, Jacob wanted it so badly That he disguised himself as his brother, fed his dad some food, and glued hair on his body with the help of his mother. 
who liked him better as well. And he was conferred the blessing. When he stood there, his, his father said and spoke these things over him. Let me go to in Genesis 12. I'm sorry, Genesis 27. Genesis 27. Verse 23. And he discerned him not because his hands were hairy and his bro- as his brother's Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said this. This is the pattern that you'll see whenever God or anybody else under God blesses somebody, they bless them with words. You are blessed with words. You bless yourself with words. You activate the blessing of God in your life with words. God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. That is a blessing. Even though there's work implied in it, it's still a blessing. So here, Jacob is about to uh, bless his son. And he says, verse 24, he said, are you my very son Esau? And he said, I am. He's lying. And he said, bring it near to me. And I will eat my son's venison that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near him and he did eat. And he brought him wine and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him. And said, See, the smell of my son is the smell of the field which the Lord hath blessed. Now this is where the prophecy comes out. He's satisfied now that this is the boy that he's supposed to bless. And he begins to speak the blessing over him. This is his last will and testament. Therefore, God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brethren and let your your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone that curse you, and blessed be everyone that bless you. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from hunting, and he had also made a stew for his father, but of course he was too late to receive the blessing. And he said... <clears throat> Isaac, his verse 32, Isaac, his father said to him, who are you? And he said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Well, by that time, Esau had already sold his brother his birthright anyway. So the only thing that was to follow was the blessing. See, your birthright is the fact that Jesus Christ lives in you. You're rightfully born as a child of God. So you are born into the family of God. The next thing is for God to confer the blessing upon you. How does the blessing come on a child of God? Through the word. Through words. Through the word. Through words. Remember the little promise book you used to read when you were first saved? 
You were looking for the blessing. It's natural. Once you are birthed, you're born into a family that you begin to look to see what the benefits are to living in that family. Every time you go into the Bible, you have trouble you, or you just want God to speak to you, you want comfort or something. You are looking for the blessing. You're looking for words that will come to establish you in your birthright. You're, you know you're entitled as a child of God to what God has for you. And the next step is for you to get the blessing. Huh? We confer it on ourselves. In the new covenant, you confer the blessing upon yourself. So you don't have to stand in line for uh, God to tell you you're blessed. You don't need any of that. All you need to do is go find the words that give you your solution. The words that give you encouragement. The words that give you hope. The words that give you promise. You are blessed by words. That's why the enemy tries so hard to twist the word. Get you too busy to read the word. Uh, instant uh, instant scriptures, instant Bible, the one minute Bible, the this Bible, the that, all, everything to keep the blessing away from you. Because he knows the blessing comes with words. If, if, if I go up to, to, uh, Miss Tony and I said, Miss Tony, you really look nice today. Huh? I have blessed her. She wasn't seeking it. She wasn't looking for it, but I blessed her with my words. I spoke well over her. And that word, she will either accept it, huh? You know how some people are. They're a little shy about receiving compliments. When you get saved, you get a little bolder. Some of that stuff falls off of you, and you're gracious about it. And you say, well, thank you. And that will take them to the next place. That they may have a struggle with something and, and not feel good. But something's been deposited in her life that keeps her kind of buoyed up and keeps her elevated a bit. So that now when she gets to a place where she has a struggle with something, she has the strength to get through it. All because of words. huh? Words. To bless, words to encourage, words to build up, words to fortify us. This is how we are blessed with words. So when Esau did get back to his father, he asked his father, he said, is there not another blessing for me? And so his father had to give him a secondary blessing. He had made the stew and all that kind of stuff. In verse 37, Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him your Lord. And all his brethren I've given to him for servants. And with corn and wine I've sustained him. And what shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you but one more blessing for me? Bless me even so, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and the dew of heaven from above. You're going to live outside. You're not going to have what your brother has. And by the sword you'll live, and you shall serve your brother. And it will come to pass when you shall have dominion that you will break the yoke from off your neck. So one has it easy, the other one has it hard. The conferred blessing makes it easy for you folks. Makes it easy. You're the first in line. 
You're the heir. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through Jesus Christ. So we are the ones who will have servants serve us. We are the head, not the tail. We are above only and not beneath. See, we are blessed this way. And anytime you find your life not that way, you have a requirement from God to find out your solution and begin to bless yourself with that. You got me? So if, you, if your work is too hard, you find your solution in the word. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I am the master and not the servant in Jesus' name. And continue on in that and let that word minister to you and let that word help you so that when you step out to receive the blessing, you're expecting what you blessed yourself with and not some substitute. Hmm? Not some, you're not the secondary guy, okay? You're not Esau. Whom God hated because he gave away his birthright. He didn't consider being a son of of Isaac an important thing. So he just gave it away for a, a bowl of food. He got hungry one day and his brother said, I'll sell you this for your birthright. He said, okay, you can have it. See, if we give the birthright away so easily, the blessing won't fall on us. But if you understand who you are in Christ and how important it is that God saved you. And that the Spirit of God lives in you and dwells in you and you understand the impact that that has in the earth. Then you will seek the appropriate blessing and when that blessing falls on you, you say, hey, they got the right person. This is the right address for this to come to because I know from my birthright, I know from the fact that I'm a child of God that this blessing is due me. This fits me well. This is exactly what God ordered for me and I'm a blessed person. And so when the blessing comes, amen, when, when, whenever you have a situation in life that doesn't line up with the word of God, where you struggle, where it's difficult for you, this is the, the way that you appropriate the blessing. You are a blessed person and you are curse proof. There is no curse on the new covenant. There's no penalty box. For bad behavior, there's no penalty box for disobedience. There's no penalty box for falling short. There's only repentance and stepping back in righteousness again so that then you can appropriate the blessing. Many times we are waiting for God to put it on us when it's already been put on us. We walk out from under it because of lack of faith or or whatever it is, trusting God, whatever it is, it causes you to lose connection with the blessing. But you can begin to appropriate it again immediately with your words. You have to understand that this is all that's necessary for you to put it upon yourself again and begin to say what God says. Begin to say what the word says. Begin to say what you need and refuse to say what you see. Huh? Refuse to say what you see and make up your mind to say what God says. So, Abraham was blessed of God with words, a promise. In Genesis 12, in verse 24. 
I'm sorry, not 24, in Genesis 12. This is at the beginning where he first met him. In verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Abram, Get you out of thy country and from your kindred and from your father's house into a land that I will show you. So he brings him out so that he can bless him. He cannot always bless you where you are. You need to come out. You need to come out of the same mindset. Really coming out for us is not moving physically so much. But it's moving from one, one way of thinking into the mind of Christ. See the blessing comes with words. Words minister to your mind and your soul and your heart. You can bless yourself. Just like my example with with Miss um, Tony, she could do that herself. She could look in the mirror and she said, "I look pretty good today. I'm looking pretty nice. Huh? I think I'll bless myself and get on out here and go to church." And so, when we do that, though, we can we can understand how important it is how these words, good words, will carry us. Word of God will carry us to the next place of blessing. And so here Abraham has to be carried from one place of blessing to the next in God. Now many times when we have to, it, say for instance God tells you, you asking God for a job, a good job. In the first place you, you put in an application, you're so sure you're going to get it. No, and it doesn't happen. What do you tell yourself? Do you still bless yourself? Huh? Or do you not bless yourself? Huh? Well, they don't like me. They got something against me. Huh? You can be red, white, and blue and blame it on your skin color. You got me? You can do all kinds of crazy things. And so it's very important what you do in all. Can you bless yourself all the time? Huh? Can you bless yourself all the time no matter what happens, no matter the circumstances? And so you go to the next place. You're so sure you're going to get this one. And you leave out of there and, and, and they tell you that, that, you know, they decided to hire somebody else. Hmm? And you say, oh, yeah, they're looking for somebody younger. Hmm? Well, if you think age is a barrier, you're going to get older. Nothing but older, honey, all the days of your life. So you might as well clear that one up right now or you will never work. You got me? So do you still bless yourself even after disappointments, even after it doesn't work that time? Or do you go away? See, it's very important how you leave a situation that could be a disappointment for you. If you bless yourself at all times, you might go into a job and you didn't get that job. Don't go away trying to tell yourself why. Because you don't know. All you know is they hired somebody else. Huh? So what does that really tell you? Huh? And tell you anything. You don't know why. Listen, if you had to meet normal human qualifications, most of us wouldn't measure up. Most of us aren't smart enough. Most of us don't have the the credit score that it needs and, you know, a good record and everything and good transcripts and all that kind of stuff. We don't have it perfect from A to Z. So it must be if God promises you something and he calls you blessed, 
It must be that the blessing is going to override every natural qualification that there is or he could not bless you. There's always going to be somebody younger. There's always going to be somebody smarter. There's always going to be somebody overqualified. When you look at the the state of the economy, there's always going to be 15 people qualified and applying for every one job. But if you're blessed anyhow, then there must be something working in your life that can override that, that can discount that and disqualify that as something that's important for you. So what you need to do with your no answer is just go away and say, God, I thank you for the opportunity to use my faith on that. And I am blessed and I am expecting the next place I go to to hire me because I am a blessed person. That means that I am a favored person. That means that I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. But you're still my God. And if there's something about that job that's not going to set well with me, then you have removed it as a future problem in my life. And I will go on to the next opportunity and I will get that job. That's what blessed people say to themselves. You got me? They don't go in. And let me tell you, it's important what you say when you're told no. It's important what you say. Because if you're told no and you say, well, I wasn't qualified, are you blessed or not? You didn't get the job. Why not? Oh, well, they were looking for somebody who, we all say that. They even called me and told me they got another candidate and they decided to go with that one because they had this, 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 and this that I don't have. Yeah, but they don't have the blessing. Are you still blessed? If you're still blessed, you will go to the next opportunity with that attitude and you will tell yourself, this is my new opportunity. God is with me and I will go in just to confirm that this is where God wants me to be. You're not going in there to ask anybody for anything. You're not going in there to beg any. And you're not going in there to be turned down, disqualified. Because if you accept that they found somebody more qualified than you, what does that do to your desire to believe in the blessing? Does that help you to believe that you're blessed? Or does that discourage you? For most people it discourages them. Because they sit and they think and they try to wonder how they're going to fix something or how they're going to present themselves the next time so that they don't get turned down. And there we back over in the works of the flesh again trying to work something in the flesh that God's promised us is going to come through faith. See we're trying to fix ourselves up in the natural so that we qualify. And you wait and wait and wait In fear before you go and put in another application. In fact, many people stay unemployed because of discouragement and disappointment more than anything else. But we're blessed people. We have the blessing on us everywhere that we go. We can go in and begin to speak into a place. If you go into a place and it looks like you want to stay there and it looks comfortable for you and you look like you say, I think this fits me well, you begin to prophesy in that place. You extend the blessing. 
I'm going to have an office in this place and I will have people who work for me. I will have people who will bless me and will help me to carry out the work God has called me to do in this place. Instead of waiting for man to tell us if we're accepted or not. See, the blessing lets you know that you're accepted everywhere. God's word is accepted everywhere. It can open doors everywhere. It can do everything you want it to do everywhere. But we have to have more confidence in the blessing that it's never lifted from our lives. It's always in your life. But you have to appropriate it by what you say. That's why the devil fights you on your words. You want to continue to bless yourself. God, I thank you that this was an opportunity for me to use my faith. And I thank you that my faith will be stronger the next place I go to because I am blessed. They will want me because you are telling them to want me. When I'm in the right place, that door will open for me and I will be blessed in that place. I'll make good money. I'll be able to get my weekends off. I'll be able to get my time off. I'll have good vacation. I'll have good pay. You begin to bless yourself with your own words. And then God will cause that situation to conform to what you say. But if you let the natural start to dictate your blessing. You can't let what you see and what they tell you is not right begin to dictate your blessing. huh? People, you know, it used to be when people got retired, they would just, you know, go and sit and do nothing. Now you see them working at McDonald's. You know why? Because they rather have slow old people than young crazy people. Huh? Those are the options now. So now age isn't a factor. It used to be in most companies, you couldn't, you couldn't bounce around from company to company and be an executive. It's very common now. Because the, there was, there's such a shortage of qualified leadership. That people will take you from another company. It used to be you had to pay your dues to the company. And if you were there a number, you know, uh, seniority, that always spoke. But now people are so desperate for qualified people, they break their own rules trying to find somebody. They take women as executives. Before women, you know, they say, oh boy, you're going to have to go home and take care of the babies. We don't want nobody who can't be here 24 hours a day. Now they give you family leave. Huh? This has all changed because people have begun to demand it. If people in the natural can demand it, certainly the child of God with a birthright in Jesus Christ can appropriate the blessing that has already come upon our lives through Jesus Christ. And you can begin to specify the blessing as to what you want to come into your life and when. When... when Jacob was given the blessing. He immediately went and started working it and putting it in force. He didn't wait one day to decide whether or not he was going to accept the blessing from his dad. He was eager for it and he was anxious for it. And he was nonstop in it. Jacob was able, he got tricked, you know, he had sown some bad seed in his life. He began to reap on it. You know, you trick your brother out of what rightfully belongs to him, you're going to pay down the road somewhere. He got hooked up with Laban, a distant relative, and, and you know, and 
<clears throat> was working for one daughter and worked seven years for one, didn't get her, had to work another seven. Years. And that man had him tied up for a lot of years. But he still believed he was blessed. He still believed he was blessed. No matter how many years he had to serve out, he still believed in the blessing. And he was able, because he had served for so long, he was able to do genetic engineering on cattle. Huh? How's that for a blessed person? You're locked up and somebody's serving somebody and they're treating you bad and tricking you. And every time you try to do it with a good heart and a good mind and you say, well, I've worked some and pay me off and he pays you wrong. Doesn't pay you at all. So the day Jacob came, he said, you know what, I'm blessed and I'm out of here. And he decided he'd ask him for a certain kind of cattle. He said, you know, I don't want to leave empty handed. He said, if you let me have this kind of cattle and that kind of cattle, I'll leave. And he was able to breed them so that he had herds and tons of herds of cattle that came out exactly the way he said it would because he understood what it mean to be blessed. He did not want to leave there broken, empty handed. He said, I've worked years for this and this man has cheated me. Hmm? Does that mean that he took crap off of him because years ago he cheated his brother? No, he said, no, I believe God and I'm righteous. Let my righteousness speak for me. I have no curse on my life. I came here, worked for him because I thought he was a fair man. Now I see he's not. I'm out of here. But I am blessed anyway. I wasn't living out a curse. I was living out my promise to come here and work for him because I wanted to marry into this family. He said, I'm married into this family. I'm getting my stuff and getting out of here with me and all my herds and all my cattle. So he forced the word of blessing to come to pass anyway. He was hemmed in. He was hindered. A mean father-in-law that made him work almost for nothing. And from him sitting there and watching, hmm, this cattle, this this cow's made it with this cow. Let me see what the calves look like. Hmm. Paying attention to things instead of whining and crying and feeling sorry for himself, being angry at Laban, he decided he was going to watch stuff. Huh? How many people have the the humility to learn while they're being cheated? Learn while they're being mistreated. Learn by while they're being treated wrong. A person who's blessed will. Because they believe in the blessing every single day. They believe the blessing is on them every single day. They don't believe in mistreatment being the big thing in their life. They know that they're blessed. You can't stop the blessing. The blessing has to be appropriated with words. So he told Laban, he said, you know what? I'm leaving with my family and I want to take some cattle. And I'll tell you the ones I'm going to take. And as he began to tend those cattle, he mated the ones up with the ones he wanted to have mated up until he got a big enough herd that he says, I got enough, I'm leaving now. When you're blessed, you call the shots. They don't tell you when to come to work. They don't tell you what to do. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, to a degree. You have the freedom, you have the grace, and you have the favor to say, you know what? I need this day off. I have something to do for God, and I'm going to take this day off. Put me on the schedule. You're not afraid to ask for favor and ask for what you need that God's put on your heart because you are a blessed person. You're not under anybody's authority and dominion but God's. God puts leadership over you to bless you. And to treat you well. 
not to be a problem to you. When you're a blessed person, you know this. You're not afraid of going to whoever, whoever is in authority and talk to them. I have a habit when I have difficulties with people, you know, customer service people. I don't know where they get them from, rehab centers or something. <laughs> they are not helpful. They're not knowledgeable. They answer the phone and they giggling in the background and all this old nonsense. And if they don't give me the right answer, I said, let me talk to your supervisor. Well, they're going to tell you the same thing. I say, are you the supervisor? Well, all I'm saying is, I said, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I told you who I want to talk to. I want to talk to who's in charge. Hmm? Whether I get right, wrong, or indifferent answer, I want to talk to who's in charge. Because I'm not afraid of people in charge. You got me? And I want to talk to somebody in authority so I can get an issue resolved. So you're not afraid of people in authority. You're not afraid of your boss. Huh? Well, my boss is mean. You don't know. God will soften them all up. Huh? Just go in there and do your job and understand. Begin to prophesy over yourself every morning when you go in there. Begin to bless yourself because you're a blessed person. When this blessing comes upon you, it's appropriated immediately at the time you need it. The blessing's there. It's just there. You bless with your words. It'll shock you and the devil if you you injure yourself and you get up and say, I'm healed. Huh? But this is what you have to do. When you want the blessing to come on you, you have to bring it into your life with your words. I was when I uh, Pastor Shirley, you all know, went to to uh, Detroit in my place. At one weekend, and <clears throat> I just didn't feel to to be able to fold my legs up in a van. You know, I'd ridden the bus when I was at the conference, and that was pretty comfortable. And I thought, hey, brother, i got to face the van now. I just didn't want to do it yet. Didn't feel that I could for the duration of time I would have to. And so she went up in my place. So the next weekend, of course, I, I'm going to tough it out. You know, I set my goals. You know, it's, I will do this. Set a date and move out on it. And so I got there. <clears throat> so I had my cane, which we all have joked about. and I've since put down. But I still had my cane, you know, and I'm assisting myself. And so when I got to my room, Shannon Crowley goes in and takes some things over for me. And, you know, things I need to, that I keep in Detroit that need to be there for me. And so she had been over and she texted me and said, your room is hot and I can't get the thermostat down. So it was like almost 90 degrees in the room and I couldn't turn it off, you know. And so I went and told the girl at the desk and I said, well, I'll try it. But then when I got in there, it was so hot. I thought, I can't stay in here all night. It was warm that weekend. And so when I, I spoke to her, she said, well, she said, we have one room. And I always love this. We have one room left, you know, of course, because I'm not going nowhere else. You got me? You got to have a room. See, this is the blessing, folks. They're never out of rooms. So anyway, (laughs) but (laughs) it's the handicapped room. It's the short people room. And I'm thinking to myself, and I said, wait a minute, hold it. This looks familiar to me. Cane, pain, limping, handicapped. Room. When we were there for the conference, I mistakenly had parked in the handicapped parking space. 
and left left my little truck up there. Cece gets in there, the invest, Inspector Clouseau. Thought somebody had been driving my truck and got tickets. But no, it was the handicapped. Here we go again. More handicapped stuff. Kane. And on the bottom of the ticket, they say, if you are a legitimate handicapped person and forgot to put it on there, we'll take the money off, some of the money off for you. You know, produce us a handicapped sticker. I'm thinking to myself, now wait a minute. This whole thing is not looking like what I'm expecting. And immediately, I told the devil, I said, no, you're not. No, you're not. I'm not going in there. I'm not going to stay there. I'm not accepting limitations. I am not handicapped. I don't plan to be handicapped. I am healed. I am 100% whole. I have God's peace upon me. And immediately when I said that, the housekeeping guy shows up, you know, out there. And he says, oh, how are you? And I said, fine. I didn't even recognize him at first. But he recognized me because he'd come on over and promised us to clean our room every day at the conference and never did. (laughs) And it's a good thing I didn't put all that together at one time because I might have shot it, you know, right there. But. But I told him, I said, I said, you know what? He said, is there a problem? I said, well, you know, my room, the thermostat won't go down. It's too hot. I said, and I'm not sure. He said, have they given you another room? And I said, yeah, they have. And he said, do you want to stay there? I said, no, I don't. I said, I want this room. I said, I don't want that room. And so he went in with his little partner and he looked in the fuse box. He said, oh, well, maybe we can just trip it off with the fuse box. And so they did that. And, and turned it off. But the, the thing I want you to look at is that one minute you're facing the devil's condemnation of putting you into a category and making you fit somewhere where your soul and your mind are telling you a child of God does not fit. Like you went and applied for that job. You were so sure that was your job and they told you you don't fit. What do you do? You bless yourself immediately. I said, no, devil. I am blessed. I am whole. I am healed. I am not handicapped. And immediately God sends the answer to verify my blessing. I'm telling you, you can come away with a whole lot more stuff than what we get if we quit accepting what we're told by humanity and stand up there as a child of God who has a birthright. I am born again and that's all I need to qualify me for the blessing. I am born into the family of God. And I will find my blessing in my Father's covenant in His Word. And I will stand on that word of blessing. Because that's what's going to take me to the next level. And immediately those things turn around, folks. Immediately they turn around. So I got the handicap bill from the, the court people. Now I'm in court. Huh? Well, you know, the devil likes to... So these tickets, you know what a handicap ticket is? Almost $200. I had three of them. Uh So I decided to write the court a letter. They said, you may petition the court. I said, good. Guess who my lawyer is? You got it. You better believe I'll write him a letter. 
I don't have to hire anybody. I don't have to ask for men. Well, what do you think? Should I get an attorney? No, I have one. Thank you very much. And so I write them the letter, and they write me a letter back, and they said, you know what? We will reduce them to $50 a piece, and you have to pay it by a certain date. But if you think this was done in error, you can still appeal. See, the door is always open for the blessing to come back to you in a greater form. So I think I'll just pay it, get it over with, because I want to get it over with. But trust me, if I decide I owe them nothing and God backs me up in it, then it's nothing. I take it to the next level. You understand me? But you'll understand that once you are a blessed person, you are curse proof. You can't even curse yourself. You can't disqualify yourself. Sometimes you'll begin to speak the word over yourself. You'll begin to prophesy over your situation. And people where you've sent in applications years ago will suddenly call you and say, are you still interested? The person that we hired left. That was your job back then. But you didn't know how to stand to get it. But now you know how to stand to get it. You just begin to speak. Somewhere down the line, you began to speak the word of blessing over your life again. And everything that was under that blessing began to revive and come back into your life again. It's just that way. So I'm telling you folks, when we are blessed, we are curse proof. The devil cannot take away what we have. We revive it by speaking the word into our situation. Just begin to bless yourself. Begin to tell yourself what God has for you. Begin to believe that God has set you up with something that cannot be taken away from you. It's irrevocable. Once that blessing is spoken, it's spoken. Jacob was rich for the rest of his life. Abraham was very rich. He had cattle. He had sons. He had grandsons. He had all of this stuff merely because of the one time God told to him and said, I will bless you multiply you and increase you that's what he said to all of us so if we will obey him we'll keep the blessing in our mouths at all times bless increase multiply and see if it doesn't come to pass immediately for you try it on some of these situations where you they don't move as quickly or try it on some things where where you've been putting up with it for a long time i don't care if it's a long duration or a short duration something But try it on some of these things and just begin to speak over it. Begin to bless yourself in that thing. Begin to tell yourself who you are there and what you have there and how it's going to work out for you. Begin to bless yourself. Thank you, Lord, that you've given this to me. Thank you, Father, that I am the head and not the tail. Thank you, Lord, that I can have what I say and I say I'll have a super payday. This week, I say I'll have an easy time at at work this week. I say people will come to me and offer to buy me lunch. I say people will come to me and offer to give me things. I say people will make it easy for me because I am blessed by Father God. They'll want to do things for you when you're blessed. People will say things, I don't know what it is about you, but I just want to do this for you. Now we have people to come and and take care of Coco when, when we're out of town. And the the couple, you know, we pay them to come in and and they're real nice and they they leave us a note and flowers, fresh flowers. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't have to, but I understand what the blessing is. You got it? 
And so I'm thankful that God, to God that have people. You know, sometimes you can hire people and you come, you don't want to even come in your own house when you get back. But here people are trustworthy, they're honest, and they want to bless me over and above what I'm able to do for them. You got me? So that blessing is real. Keep your mouth geared with God's word. Be careful what you let come out of your mouth. Huh? Sometimes I get careless with words, you know. I'll be the, you know, swiftest old girl in the nursing home. You know, I mean, that kind of stuff. You know, and sometimes you think to yourself, well, you know, you don't want to really say that, but I don't mean it, no, but I better stop. Because I want to be blessed all the days of my life. You know, I mean, wherever I am, I'm going to preach the gospel. Trust me, them places don't scare me. You got it? I mean, I'll go in there as a blessed person. But still, you don't want to diminish and put yourself in a place where you're settling for less than what God has for you because of, of anything you see in the natural. So you have to, when we go through these changes in, in natural situations, we have to expect to still be blessed, to increase in blessing. Sometimes, you know, parents get to be empty nesters. Oh, what am I going to do with myself? You need to go and take them rooms that the kids used to stay in and turn them into an arcade, turn one into a home theater, turn one into something else and live it up and have a good time. Why? Because you're blessed. You've done your time. <laughs> Once they move out and they're on their own and successful, huh? Now you can leave a couch, you know, make it a, a sofa bed or something, you know, so they don't know it's a bed when they come over and visit, just so they don't run you out of your bed. But but start taking the opposite view of where you are in your life. You got me? Where normally people would go through these difficulties. You take the opposite view. You're blessed. God has good things for me. He has plans for me. There are certain things now that I will be able to do that I couldn't do because my life was restricted with responsibility. So these things we have to understand are important for us, folks. But when you are blessed, there is no curse. Don't stop blessing yourself. Don't stop speaking the word into your situation. If it's going wrong downhill at 70 miles per hour, you speak into it anyway and, and watch the word of God stop it and derail it and it'll come back up to bless you again. Because it'll reverse us that quickly because we're prophetic people and God can put that anointing on us for immediate reversal. In difficult circumstances. He can do it. And so we'll remember that folks. That you are blessed. Amen. You are curse proof because you're blessed. Amen. Father in heaven we thank you for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for blessing us. To understand our birthright. All we need to do. To be blessed. Is to be born into a family. Hallelujah. That we are not a secondary blessing, but we are joint heirs with the firstborn, Jesus Christ. That we are first in line for the blessing, Lord. We're first in line. And we thank you, Lord, that we share in his inheritance of all things, anything we need, Father. We inherit all things. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, there's somebody that, that you really think that you haven't been able to, you think age is a problem for you. You need to get that 
straight up between you and God, you know. You're blessed. Age is not a problem for if you need a job, finding a job, finding a good job, finding a good job with a future. Uh, all these things that you have against you are not against you because you're blessed. You're curse proof, says the Lord. You are curse proof. Curse means you'll never work. Curse means you'll never uh, <clears throat> have a family. Curse means that you'll, things won't go well with you. Curse means the things you plan will never happen. That's not you, says the Lord. That's not you. For I've blessed you. You are blessed. Begin to call it into your life by blessing yourself. Tell me that you're blessed. Let me know that you know that you're blessed, says the Lord. And I'll cause it to happen for you. I will cause it to happen for you. Some of you have been waiting for 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 uh, open doors or or job openings. That's you've been waiting for job openings. The Lord wants you to know it's in your mouth and in your heart. Your job opening is in your mouth and in your heart, says the Lord. I'll create a job for you. What's in your mouth and your heart? What do you want to say about it? What do you want to say about it? Says the Lord. Are you bold enough to say exactly what you want and let me bring it to you, says the Lord. You are blessed. Begin to release the blessing. Release the blessing. Know what you want. Settle on what you want. And begin to bless yourself with it, with your words, says the Lord. And I'll back you up in it. I'll back you up in it, says the Lord. I'll back you up just like I backed up Jacob. I let his righteousness speak for him. And he got what he said. 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 Be quick to grab it, says the Lord. Be quick to grab it. Be quick and not reluctant. Be quick to grab it, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Miss <clears throat> Nola, come up here a sec, okay? Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, um, the Lord says he gave you a picture of that truck breaking through. And he says that's for you. But he wants to know this. What took you so long to see that I had that for you? Has it not been what you've been asking for, says the Lord? He says, the next time that breakthrough comes, comes by, grab it real quick. Grab it and hold on to it. Because that's faith, says the Lord. Hesitation is fear. Reluctance to, is fear. But grab it quickly because it's faith, says the Lord. When I show things to you, they're for you. I'm not a tempter. 
And I'm not one to frustrate or confound my people. Your hope is in me and you will not be ashamed or confounded or disappointed. So grab on to it. Grab on quickly, says the Lord. For your breakthrough comes around. There's a miracle coming towards you and going by you many times. So be a grabber. Be a grabber. Grab on to it. Grab on to it. Grab on to it. 